Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Talking About Podcast. I am your host, as always, Daniel Olinger, joined by Sean Kennedy, and we're going to get straight to the biggest news, the, a ton of Sixers news this week. Paul Reed hit a left-handed sky hook at the end of the Miami Heat game today. Sean, your thoughts? It was glorious. It, it dropped down from the heavens above, right, right through the cylinder. I mean, this is the... The thing we've been waiting all year to see is the Paul Reed hook. Is uh, is B-ball Paul the next Kareem? I I don't think it's fair to put that kind of comparison on him. I think uh, he'd he'd settle for the next uh, Patrick Ewing, maybe. Yeah, but, uh, we'll, we'll temper our expectations for now. <laughs> of course, we're. We're just kidding. Obviously, bigger Sixers news. I mean, honestly, the biggest Sixers news of the week technically did not involve them. James Harden was traded to the Brooklyn Nets in a four-team trade that was made more sense than some of my college classes so far. It, I, I think it definitely involved the Sixers. I think they were ultimately leveraged to help Houston get a couple more picks and pick swaps out of Brooklyn. I mean, definitely, yeah. Like, there's a reason we heard Ben Simmons, Tyrese Maxey, and Matisse Thibel's names all day leading up to that point. Yeah, it was a very interesting day to be following Sixers Twitter. Uh, yeah, a lot of reports. It, it seemed like the Sixers were actually front runners to get Harden for a while there. And then out of nowhere, it kind of just dropped that uh, Brooklyn had secured him. And then the full, con- like, contents of the trade kept coming out little by little and like oh look Cleveland got Jared Allen that's that's pretty good for them and then oh Oladipo's involved like it 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 was really uh I think it's going to take a little time for us to kind of get our heads around where all the pieces fell and how that affects the ripple effects of everything that uh comes to pass from that four-team trade that went down it was pretty wild did you see that one tweet by Larry Nance Jr. that Sexland uh, Sexland is now surrounded by trees yeah, that was great. I, I like Larry Nance Jr. as a player a lot. I think he's underrated and just very good. He's he's also very funny. <laughs> For um, sure, yeah. He, um, yeah, he's actually just appeared on the Alex Kennedy podcast. So for anyone that wants more Larry Nance content, check that out. Um, yeah, they, they, Cleveland uh, did very well. They, they gave up the Milwaukee pick, which is probably going to be a very late first-rounder. Yeah, it's, um, it's basic. It's n- not worthless, but it is not like they, they weren't like putting hopes in that pick. Yeah, for sure. And they get Jared Allen, who had good. just finally, yeah, really good player, had just finally 
cemented himself like as the starter in Brooklyn after, you know, master friend to the stars, DeAndre Jordan had been still getting a pretty decent chunk of the timeshare there. And Allen had really taken off in the last week or two. Now all of a sudden he has to play alongside and behind Andre Jelman. So for, for him personally, that's a tough break, but uh, for Cleveland, job well done by their front office. Well, that's probably enough Cavs talk for a Sixers podcast. Um, so the Sixers, I, We're not the talking about Cavs podcast? We will be one day, or at least the talking about Larry Nance Jr. podcast. But um, right, Fair enough. The, so the Sixers on the court this week played two games against the Miami Heat on Thursday and Tuesday, Thursday being today, won both of those games. Thursday's game in blow-up fashion, 125 to 108. Tuesday's game being an incredible overtime win with foul outs, bad performances, incredible performances, clutch Isaiah Joe threes, clutch Dakota Mathias threes, Gabe Vincent victimizing the entire Sixers lineup. It was a wild game. Before that, they got killed by the Hawks in a game that just did not was not very fun after quarter number one. And the Denver Nuggets loss in which the seven Sixers battled valiantly and were honestly kind of enjoyable to watch, even if they ultimately lost. Yeah, strange week. Um, I, I will definitely – I'm looking forward to watching a game that involves two teams with reasonably full rosters. Yeah, these what, last is, what is this contest you speak of? I've not seen <laughs> such a thing as in a long time. Yeah, it's it's a relic from the, the pre-pandemic days when teams had more than eight or nine players available. Um, Sixers finally back to 13 tonight against Miami, so – I think that showed with uh, how much better they played than they did two nights earlier. But uh, yeah, even getting these wins against Miami, it's just not as much fun as when, you know, their stars are also available. I would love to really see Jimmy out there and Bam going up against Joel is always really interesting to watch because he's one of the few guys in the league that can really match the, the size and speed of Joel a little bit. So yeah, I felt like uh, missed out on that and obviously missed out on Jokic versus Embiid the, the prior weekend. And it just hasn't been great NBA content. It's They're not putting their best foot forward with some of these games that are taking place. But, um, yeah, I mean, there were definitely bright spots. Maxi getting to kind of run the show last Saturday was awesome to watch with his 39-point performance, uh, even this week with – you know, Ben came back, and so he hasn't been the only ball handler out there, but he's still playing a expanded role, and he still looks really good. And then uh, we got to see Shake in his return from being quarantined to, uh, tonight go off for over 30 points. So, yeah, like a lot of bright spots, and it's good to see guys like Isaiah Joe and Tyrese, um, you know, have a more playing time and, and show what they're capable of doing. So that, that's definitely a silver lining from uh, these reduced roster situations. Unlike you, I was very glad Bam Adebayo wasn't playing because we got to see Embiid go off for one of his best performances of his career, 45 points against the Miami Heat on Tuesday, literally dragged the Sixers to that win, and a much-needed win. Like I know it's still early in the season, but you don't want a fourth straight loss. Embiid mentioned that after the game that he said, I can't let us lose a fourth straight game. That's really not good for us. He's gotten them back on track, and – 
just thinking about it, do you think it was the best game of Embiid's career? I know it's the best one I've watched live. Some people might point out the um, Lakers game from his second season where he scored 46, which is a great game, and I eventually watched it. I actually didn't get to see that one live. I, if I remember correctly, I was coming back from a high school basketball game and was super tired and fell asleep, so that's my bad. <laughs> but, How um, dare you? I know, but uh, man, Embiid in that game, it was just – you could tell in the third quarter what was happening. His shot, his jump shot, like, I think he's – I need to check the numbers. I swear he's making those mid-rangers more than he has in previous seasons. It feels like they're all going in, especially that Tuesday night. The Heat just could not stop him. He, like, I think it was someone showed – like, he called for a pick-and-roll in transition as a big man dribbling up the court. The Sixers, without Maxi out there and without Ben Simmons, were just giving it to Embiid and letting him run the show. And he was doing it. He could – he was orchestrating the offense as a seven-foot-one big man who isn't, like, known as a great ball handler. Like, this isn't, like – at least, like, we're used to Nikola Jokic doing it because he's probably the greatest passing center ever, and he typically brings the ball up. Or a guy like Anthony Davis, who is maybe a little more laterally mobile than Joel, so you might see that more often. But – it was just fascinating to watch, and defensively, he was great. As I mean, I think he was a little lax in the first half against the Heat in that Tuesday night game, but he definitely picked it up. He had this crazy steal in the second half where they – I think the Sixers, like, basically screwed up a pick and roll, and the Miami had a guard coming right down the lane. Embiid stunted at him, then immediately recovered to his man and stole the pass, which is just unbelievable awareness on his part. He, I mean, and like you said, I was a little upset we didn't get to see Embiid versus Jokic because – Honestly, if I had to say, those are probably my top two MVP candidates right now. So that would have been a fascinating game to watch. So getting you, you asked if it was Joel's best performance ever. Um, yeah. I'm going to say no, just because he really wasn't that good in the first half. Mm-hmm. And he even kind of admitted it. Like I was way too passive. And, and when he had his big third quarter, it was him recognizing he had to step up and kind of, get the train back on the tracks for the team. Uh, so I don't think I can give a best ever career performance to a guy that admittedly kind of slept walk through a half of basketball. But um, yeah, he was absolutely dominant from the third quarter on. And yeah, everything you said is true. And it was, uh, we, we might have to revisit our conversation from earlier where I talked about how, it was sustainable for Joel to take the mid-range shots because he has better spacing it around be, him. It might be sustainable. Now. <laughs> it, it looked kind of sustainable. So yeah, it was uh, it was MB doing his best kind of Kobe impression with just taking eighteen footers that are somewhat contested and that being the crunch time offense and it working. And uh, I guess watching all those white people on YouTube shooting has has really paid off for him in a big way. Oh my gosh! But yeah, he was great. Um, both ends just throwing up everything he could, and it was all going in. It was beautiful. Defensively, you mentioned how he was single-handedly stopping two guys coming at him in pick and rolls. The the five steals he had was a career high. Just he, he, he was exceptional, like MVP caliber performance. There's there's no two ways about it. Do you think he's the MVP of the league right now? If like we were just, I mean, I, I wrote an article for the Step Back this week on where I pulled a bunch of people I know on NBA Twitter asking them, like, it's just kind of like this exercise saying, who would you give the awards to if for some reason the NBA season ended after just two weeks? And most of them voted for Joel Embiid. That would have been my vote too. As of right now, Sean, do you think Joel, this might be a real thing where this might be an MVP season for Joel Embiid? 
he's going to be up there. I, I don't see how he's not, at least in the top five, the Sixers are playing as when they've had, uh, you know, at least 10 guys, they've been one of the best teams in the league. Um, they look considerably different when Embiid is on the court versus when the games he hasn't been available. So you have that kind of the whole narrative of he shows how valuable he is through his absence. Yeah, even. anything. I think we've said it before, but if you need to know how valuable Embiid is, go watch the Cavs game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and he's putting up incredible numbers, and he's playing the all-defensive first-team type defense and that we know he's capable of. So he's checking all the boxes, and I don't see why he wouldn't be in the conversation. I mean, there's, there's certainly a handful of other guys. Like you got the Lakers – players and LeBron is putting forth a remarkable age 36 season and if Durant continues to be able to stay on the court and putting up some of the games he has in the last week he might find himself in the conversation um so there's and then uh, yeah Yeah. and then and then Jokic so there's a handful of guys but Joel's certainly in there so keep playing like he is and he will remain in the conversation throughout the season the only thing I could – I mean, like, there's plenty of things that could derail an MVP season from Joel, but if he plays like this, really the – I mean, I mean, the big concern is that is an injury or a big number of missed games coming at some point? Because as we know, Joel has never gone a full season without some, like, prolonged absence, which, I mean, it hasn't prevented everyone from winning MVPs. I mean, the best example being 1978, Bill Walton won an MVP while playing, I think, around only 50 games, partially because the Blazers were basically unstoppable in all the games he played. Uh, other than that, there's probably, I would say, I, I don't have, I, well, I can't do the math right here, but it's, um, I would think, like, usually people want you to play at least 70 out of 82 games if you're going to win the MVP. I think Harden, I don't know if it was the year he won it, but the year he got second to Westbrook played around 72 or 73, I want to say. I could be totally wrong on that. That's just my memory trying to dig that out. But if that's if you, like, I'm trying to think of what the comparable ratio is for a 72-game season. So let's say, I think it would probably be fair to say Embiid has to play at least over 60 games to win MVP. Do you th- does that sound right? I, I honestly don't think it, there's going to be that same – unwritten rule kind of thing this year just because there's going to be everyone's going to probably go through a stretch where guys are missing just because of the safety and medical protocols Mm -hmm. so I I feel like there's going to be a lot of guys in the league that their their games played looks even lower than it would considering it's a 72 game season so it's going to look you would have to make the adjustment as you just mentioned but then I think there's going to be guys that are, are missing three to four games at a time, like Tobias and Shake and the handful of Sixers did. Like That's going to happen throughout the year for a lot of different teams. And, it, you know, you, you don't want there to be a second positive test at a different point in the season, but it's totally possible. And then, you know, you have to sit out another week. So I think that kind of thing's going to happen. And so I, I just don't think they're going to take the same stringent look at games played as they might have in the past. It's a really weird year. It's unprecedented circumstances for everyone. And I think it's going to rely more on narrative 
than it might have previously just because of everything surrounding the, the league right now. Yeah, that's a good point you raised about just it's, – it's such a weird year. It's hard to tell – like, it's hard to compare anything from previous years to how it's going to be done this year because just things have to be done differently. That's the current state we're in. Um, but regardless, it's clearly been a special season from Embiid so far. If he plays even a little below this level, but around the same level the rest of the season, it'll, I would confidently say it's the best season of his career. And that's kind of why I feel like a lot of Sixers fans, a lot of the hardcore Sixers nerds on Twitter really wanted James Harden in a trade because, like, as we've seen the argument from many, I know our own Dan Volpone here at Liberty Ballers is – heartbroken to hear the news that James Harden would not be a sixer. It feels like they have a very special player in Embiid having a special season. And this is when your championship window is reopening. Like we thought the Sixers had that championship window open in 2019 with Jimmy Butler still on the team. Felt like it closed when Kawhi Leonard hit those, hit that shot. And then the mistakes of the 2019 offseason were made and kind of opening back up. Maybe they're just a move or two away and James Harden's that special player, and the move is not pulled off. Do you, like, did you want the James Harden trade to happen to the Sixers, Sean? I wouldn't say I wanted it. Hmm. I, rationally, I recognized it was the right move, but I just, I just don't like Harden. I, I, I didn't want him to be on my favorite team, really, <laughs> so... I, uh, there's no part of me that was heartbroken at all. I, I was just kind of glad that it was over and we could kind of stop talking about it, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, I, I, I think they're obviously a better team if they have him instead of Ben. How much would it have required Morey to hamstring the, the franchise, his future, to make the deal happen? That was a concern for me. And I think we saw with Brooklyn having to give up eight, you know, future draft assets. Um, obviously, they didn't give up a player nearly the caliber of Ben, so it wouldn't have been quite the same price for the Sixers. But I don't know. That's a lot. And would Harden and Embiid still be like, oh, that's a surefire winner? I don't know if it is because you've removed your – best defensive perimeter player if you're trading Simmons away. And, you know, we've, we've talked about this endlessly because it's been a topic ever since the offseason. And the offense would be a lot better. The defense would suffer. And you'd still, on the whole, be a better team. But I, I only think it would be marginally improved. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. Um, let's keep rolling with this team that – you know, when they've had everyone available this year has looked really good, you know, see what happens with that and uh, let Daryl continue to do his thing. We brought him in because he's been one of the best general managers for the last decade. So if he didn't feel that the move was right to make, then you got to trust him at this point, I guess. I mean, so I did want Harden on the Sixers in terms of, I think, again, like, I think you don't get – a ton of t chances to win championships in the NBA. And I think, I definitely think Harden increases your chances if you have him as compared to Ben Simmons. I, I mean, while I don't dislike Harden really as a player that much, I was, <laughs> I was a little hurt at the notion, like thinking that they might have to give up Maxi 
because I've just fallen so in love with Maxi, as has the whole fan base. He's so enjoyable. It's always fun when a rookie's playing well and helping helping your team do good things, and he's cool. There's no, there's you have all these years to look forward to with him, and you don't want to give him up. Um, so I know, and like there was like rumors that that was a point of contention. The Sixers are basically trying to look for other ways to acquire more draft compensation, so they didn't have to give up Maxi. Um, I, I just like I'm not nearly as sad as some for not get, the Sixers not getting Harden, but I still would have liked it. I'll ultimately, I'll ultimately be okay, but uh, yeah, just. I mean, it was kind of weird how it all, like, lined up the same night where James Harden goes on that tirade after his game. Ben Simmons plays one of the worst games we've seen of him, from him in a Sixer uniform. And it was, like, all these things coalescing, and then the Brooklyn news hit. It was just so weird to see because it, it seemed like all the stars were aligning, if that makes sense. Yep. So does Shake putting up 31 kind of take the sting away at all for you? It takes away some sting whenever Shake plays well. Whenever Shake plays well, whenever Maxi plays well, whenever Isaiah Joe, who like is Isaiah Joe, should Isaiah Joe just be in the rotation now? Because he's pretty good. He's making threes. He doesn't look lost defensively. He knows his role. I think he's a decent athlete. Like I think Isaiah Joe's good. He still, I mean, defensively, he still fouls. Way too much. Like I mean, we employed Dwight Howard. <laughs> we have to. Yeah, there's a difference between Dwight just throwing someone to the ground when they it's, come at the rim, and and and, so and and Joe fouling a guy while he's shooting a three, which we've seen a couple times now, and it's been pretty frustrating. I mean, um, some of the calls in that first Miami game were bad. Like those, not all of those were fouls. Not all of them, but some of them definitely were. Which is fine. He's a you know he's a rookie. And, that's what you expect from rookie. Like, should he be in the rotation? I, I wouldn't go that far. But while, you know, while he's still are missing a couple guys, I'm glad he's out there and getting experience and playing well. And if he keeps playing well, then he'll have a chance to earn his spot, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they'll still have – they still have Seth to come back and then Kirk Moss as well. So, I, I'm not going to, like, say, oh, he's played – four very good games so he's he's in the top 10 of the rotation now but uh yeah it's good to see him playing well for sure um it's interesting you brought you, you mentioned maxi with the the trade rumors that were flying around yesterday it i think it was former liberty baller matt carey that tweeted out like how kind of strangely funny and unique to sixers twitter that everyone was just ready to move on from Ben, you know, guy who's been an all-star. We generally discuss him as if he's a top 15 to 20 player in the league. And everyone's just like, Oh, oh yeah, Ben's leaving. That's fine. But Tyrese Maxey, no way. We've, you know, we've seen, we've seen six games of him or whatever. And we'll sacrifice our first. Before yeah, there, there's Maxie. no way you could have Tyrese Maxey. Absolutely not. Um, but that, yeah, that's just, it was such a Sixers fan base type thing. Like, to, to throw ourselves in front of any maxi speculation, but oh yeah, Ben, that, I, that's the price of doing business. That's fine. Well, it's very much the new card <laughs> thing. Like he's, it's because Maxi's new. We don't have Ma, Maxi has universal approval rating within the Sixers fan base. There's no one who dislikes him at this point. But I mean, Sixers fans like 
it honestly seems like at the 21st position in the draft, the Sixers got the best player available at the 21st position in the draft and one who they desperately needed. He kind of fits what they could use as he can create a little bit on the half court and off the dribble. Um, I actually did want to run this by you. During this game tonight, I made a, a rankings of, a rankings of the Sixers by approval rating within the fan base, at least what I think. I'm going to run these off and see what you think. And it's just a rough list. Still need some alterations. But at number one, I have Tyrese Maxey, him of universal approval rating. Two, Joel Embiid. Three, Shake Milton. Four, Seth Curry. Five, Isaiah Chicken Joe. Credit Kevin Rice on that one. B-Ball Paul at six. Ben Simmons at seven. Danny Green at eight. Dwight Howard at nine. Tobias Harris at 10, who I felt like moving, I felt like moving him up a bit because he's been playing well recently, but I just I'm not sure how fans still feel about him because he is still overpaid, even if he has been playing very well pretty much ever since I wrote that article telling him he can't dunk with one hand. Uh, Dakota Mathias at 11, Tony Bradley at 12, Matisse at 13, Mike Scott at 14, Terrence Ferguson at 15, but if I could go lower than 15, unfortunately Terrence is probably there. I, I don't think anyone has the great feelings for Terrence, but uh, I, I just rattled it off. Any thoughts, Sean? Uh, I would I would definitely swap Tobias and Danny Green. Danny Green's a little too high. I, 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 I like Danny. I think Danny really helps. And you're talking you're talking about the Sixers fan base. I uh, they loved him that night again. The, the Tuesday. Yeah, he hit he hit game. nine threes. He also took twenty one. They, they had no other options. Someone had to shoot. I I, I realize. Hey, I'm not I'm not saying Danny Green isn't a helpful player. You were talking about approval rating among the Sixers fan base. It, it has nothing to do with my own okay, personal okay. opinion about any of these guys. I'm just saying Danny Green gets paid less than Tobias Harris and is still a helpful player. Yeah, he, I, I he think... definitely is. Uh, I think Tobias is getting a, too much. Oh, he's back to just below all-star form. He's playing like a top – 30 player in this first month of the season buzz and goodwill right now for him to be 10th on the team in approval rating okay okay what about like the top there do you think Tyrese Maxey has the best approval rating yeah for sure it's it's not Joel because there's the segment of the fan base that bags on his conditioning and his his dietary habits and everything so call them the crazies yeah but, (laughs) but 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 it's there so it's not universal approval and then, like, Shake and Seth, I had three and four, thought they were pretty well. Like, I might be too high on Isaiah Joe and Paul Reed ahead of Ben Simmons and Tobias, Danny Green, Dwight, other guys like that. But I feel like – I feel like people – like we said, Sixers fans really like young guys, especially when they're contributing. And, I mean, while they have not fully solidified themselves as rotation guys like Tyrese Maxey has, like, I mean, <laughs> you're a Sixers fan, Sean. Haven't you enjoyed watching Paul Reed and Isaiah Joe? I have. And yeah, people are either ambivalent about them to the point that they might not know who they are if they're just a casual fan to, oh, I saw him play and he could really shoot or he was playing with a lot of energy and I really liked that. So you either like what they've been doing or you just probably don't know who they are. Whereas, you know, some of the more established players, there's people that have very negative feelings about them for one reason or another. So yeah, I think for if you're talking about fan appeal or, or approval rankings, that's probably about right. I think Paul Reed also vaults way up because of his Twitter. He is he is an excellent Twitter account. 
very into what was the one he sent today i want to find it it was a great tweet from him uh he said this is paul reed just randomly during the middle of the day today i'm that bottom boy survivor i'm gonna put the bottom on the map just love all of his thoughts he spews on his account it's also great that matt cord has announced him as b-ball paul oh so fantastic it, it's him and joel who are the only players that have a nickname over the PA in game. So that's exclusive company. So that, that's, that's clearly, a clearly point similar, in his favor. Clearly similar caliber big men. That's what yeah. you do when you have time. Maybe, to maybe it's just like social media savvy. That That's what earns you a PA nickname versus like on-court ability. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Do you think I have Dakota Mathias too low or too low? Do I have him too low in my approval rankings and what I think Sixers fans think of him? Or am I just, do I just unreasonably like Dakota too much? You had him, what, 11? Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think that's about right. I, I, I kind of like Dakota. I mean, we are, it is the thing as Sixers fans. You get swayed by young guys who do nice things. And all four of the youngest guys on the team, the four, I mean, Dakota Tex counts as a rookie. Yeah, I was just making sure. He does, I think he does count as a rookie because he was only playing the G League before this. Yeah, he never so, appeared in the NBA. And, and not, they all, like, I mean, Tyrese is definitely a, like, real NBA player going forward. I'm pretty sure Isaiah Joe is, too. And while I'm not sure Paul Reed or Dakota Mathias are, I definitely haven't seen anything to say it's impossible for either of them. No, I mean, they're getting their first taste of NBA action. So still, I would say in their two cases, it's a long road ahead. But hmm. yeah, I mean, they've shown things where you say, oh, something could be there. So that's what you can really ask for, for guys that were, you know, not high draft picks or anything and are still extremely young. Mm-hmm. So the Brooklyn Nets, we need to talk about them as a team because me and you both picked them to make the finals we are both it was shocking how much in agreement we were that we thought the nets were going to be great and then they got james harden with, while giving up jared allen and karis lavert who are both good players kind of losing a lot of their depth there mainly the compensation was in picks and i mean that is a killer top three and kyrie irving kevin Durant, and james harden as we all know kyrie irving has had a prolonged absence as of right now not sure when he will be back hope Hope he'll be back soon, as it's always fun to see Kyrie on the court. Um, 
like, do you feel even more confident in the Nets as a finals team now? I, I, I feel more confident. Um, I, I think there's, there's two kind of still question marks I have. One is no one really knows what's going on with Kyrie. So mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't feel confident about anything involving him right now. So there's that. Um, also, if I'm Brooklyn, like getting rid of Jared Allen is that's a tough break. Like you're now really relying on DeAndre Jordan to play significant minutes. And just wait for Nick Claxton to come back. He's yeah. That's like honestly, that's what people are pointing to. Like, oh, they're comfortable because they have Claxton. Like, okay, that's going to be your answer in the playoffs. I mean, uh, against I some the, of the best teams the in the answer- league. The answer in the playoffs is to play Jeff Green at small ball five. Yeah, so they've that's certainly an option, but like you're going up against the Sixers, they don't really have an answer for Embiid now. Not that Jared Allen was any good shakes against him, but he was at least a, a big body who was helpful, very helpful in the offensive end. So it's uh, a different story when you have DeAndre Jordan out there. Um, so yeah, it's 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 weird that that had to be the move for them, t- just to be able to get that Milwaukee pick to be one more pick you could throw into that deal. Like I, re- if I'm them, I really would have tried some other way to get an extra pick if that was the mm-hmm. sticking point for making that deal happen. Uh, I just feel like Allen's a, a really talented player and a guy that, unlike their three stars doesn't need the ball in his hands on offense so he can play on the court with all of them and compliment them. So that's a little tough, but obviously you get hard and you're, you're a much better team. So. Yeah. All the concerns are valid that you just raised. I just think you have James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, like probably three of the top 10 individual shot creators in the league, which really matters comes come playoff time. And I'm thinking like a lineup of those three, plus Joe Harris and Jeff Green, let's say for now. Like, those are five guys right away who can dribble and shoot, which, like, competently, that's actually very hard to find. Like, just those kind of lineups. And, I mean, a lot of people have raised concerns about their defense. Obviously, James Harden, like, it's been mean to death, not as much as it used to be. He has gotten better on defense. He He's very stout in the post. He's a strong – he has a really strong body. And when he is engaged, he's not – he's – really not that bad but he he just has a tendency to I mean there's a reason the Rockets switched everything besides the fact that they played small ball it was usually that James Harden didn't want to exert, exert too much effort so sometimes you can just switch you know to move around as much less communicating so that could be something um but man I just feel like they're gonna have games where they can light people up on offense look you have three guys who are you like pretty likely to go off for 30 points every night at least one of them should be able to so and, I, and there and there's arguably three of the top seven most efficient scorers in the league. Yeah, so. I mean, I mean, Kyrie sometimes get in, has sometimes wavered out of that. He he's been incredible in the games he's played so far this season. But Kyrie sometimes wavered out, wavers out yeah. a few too many mid range shots and contested looks. But, yeah, um, but the way he was playing this year, for sure. yeah, I mean, Kyrie in those first seven games, not, he was also. I mean, Kyrie was more engaged defensively than I've ever seen him. He was playing pretty good defense all around. And then just offensively, like, making every three he takes and being the incredible at-rim finisher that he is. So, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely say right right now, like, and it is the argument for why the Sixers maybe should have traded for James Harden. If I had to, like, 
go back to what we did in the preseason of like tiers in the Eastern Conference, I'd probably put tier one as the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. And then tier two is like Celtics, Sixers, Pacers, Heat, and not the Raptors at the moment because, oh, oh boy. Hey, they beat Charlotte by three tonight. So, well, there's something there. But <laughs> also the Pacers, I mean, that was, that was the one that was out of left field. Karis Levert going to, to Indiana and Victor Oladipo to Houston, like that was just. Like you said, it was so weird to see that because we did not expect any of that coming in this trade. No, it, yeah, it was a big surprise and good good bit of uh, maneuvering by Indiana for a guy in El Depot that's going to be a free agent and it seemed like the relationship had soured there that mm-hmm. they, they now get Levert, who uh, is a promising young player and should fit in really nicely with what they have there in Indiana. So uh, just – Good job by them, I guess, getting getting involved in those talks and coming out as, as a winner, I would say. Yeah, I mean, so many people waver on their opinions of Karis LeVert because he requires to have the ball in his hands. He doesn't do a ton off ball. What he does with the ball in his hands is pretty good, but is it the driver of a really good, efficient offense? You know, you know there's like the typical questions we have about these guys who we think need the ball in their hands to be effective players. Uh I, I don't feel confident enough in see, having seen Karras enough to really comment on his defense, which would be another thing because Victor Oladipo, especially so far this year, had been a pretty good defender for the Pacers. So there's something there. But like you said, it's prob- it's more like I think about managing of assets for the Pacers. They've had this formerly all-star player in Victor Oladipo who did not seem like he wanted to be there anymore, was probably going to leave soon. So they decided, hey, we can get this young, talented – I mean, actually, though, Karras Lever isn't super young. He's I think he's – Joel Embiid's age, which I mean, obviously, he's mid, I mean, he's mid 20s, so obviously not old. It's, it's not like you're yeah. trading for a Tyrese Maxey who you're gonna have. Yeah, it's play. not a it's not like a young prospect, he's an more of an established player, but there's still room to grow in his game, and he's not he's 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 pre prime, I would say. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, Sixers fans will always remember Karis Levert for scaring the living daylights out of them in that five-game series back in 20, 2019. Like, Karras was on fire, that series against the Sixers. Yeah, he can light it up. And uh, I, 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 there's certainly concerns about, like, his efficiency at times offensively. And uh, he's not a perfect player, but I, I think he's a, a very good player. And, and getting him, if you assume that Oladipo was leaving at the end of the year, which – I feel like they would know more than anyone if he was, but they must have felt that way. Um, I think that's a good bit of uh, general managing by them. Do you think Ben Simmons, I mean, the, the rumor is that he's happy to stay with the Sixers and that he was ecstatic to stay, which I can understand that. But do you think there might be a part of them that's a little ticked off that he got mentioned in trade rumors for 48 consecutive hours? as everything was happening. Like, I mean, he, he knew he had been, like, thrown around before in the preseason, but then Daryl Morey kind of put that all the rest with, by saying, oh, we're not trading for him. At least, at least it probably assured, tried to assure Ben, hey, we're not trading you, dude. But then it, it seems like there was a legitimate traction for him to get traded. Do you feel like just at least some of him and his camp could feel like, man, they, these guys kind of wanted me gone? He can't be thrilled about it, 
Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's James Harden. So like rational rationally you have to look at it and it's oh, I would be the centerpiece of a deal for a MVP player in Harden. So it's not like an it wouldn't be a knock on his ability in the sense that, oh, they're just trying to get rid of me for parts. It's, oh, they want to bring in one of the top five players in the league. You can kind of live with that. Like, it's, I don't think it would reach the point where the relationship is toxic because you recognize that you're good enough to get this great player in return. Um, so, it's I wouldn't say he's thrilled about it again it's but he he had a quote after the game like he just recognizes it's part of the business that you're going to come up in these discussions and you just got to move on so I I feel like ultimately that will be his his thinking about it is just continue moving forward and working with Doc who they, they seem to have a pretty good burgeoning relationship and just try to continue improving and being the best player he can I I think he'll take it in a mature fashion yeah I mean he definitely does have to be a little upset but I mean it wasn't that long ago that Jason Tatum's name was being thrown around in all those trade rumors for Anthony Davis back when some people thought the Celtics were going to go after him and you know now the Celtics probably wouldn't let Jason Tatum go for anything and I don't think Jason Tatum wants to leave the Celtics so you know, unfortunately, as some Sixers fans will be sorry to hear, Ben Simmons is not as good as Jason Tatum, and I'm, I don't think he will be long-term. They're both take it, ones, take but... it back. <laughs> I, 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 I agree with you. <laughs> but uh, it's the thing, like, I mean, if Ben Simmons plays really well and does what probably he thinks he's capable of, then it, he'll probably be fine with that long-term. Uh, do you think that Tillman Fertitta – I mean, obviously the Rockets have a different general manager, Rafael Stone. It's not – but Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Rockets, is probably involved in the decision. Do you think he tried to drive up a higher price or demanded a higher price from the Sixers because he was mad at Daryl Morey? Because, I mean, the price of three firsts plus maxi I mean, the, and yeah. seems like a lot. Do you think that's, like, what might have happened? There's no real way to know. I – no, Sean, we need conclusions without, the, without sourcing. I would have to imagine, at the very least, if the deals were even, he was going in another direction. So the Sixers probably had to overwhelmingly have the better offer. And maybe it was just a case that they valued having direct compensation above all else and so Brooklyn was able to put or, or, or willing to put together things where four or five years down the road those picks could be very good they're all unprotected you know none of the Brooklyn guys the, all the Brooklyn guys have outs in their contract where there, there's a p- potential for them not to be there long term so there's every possibility that some of those picks and swaps a few years down the road could end up being really valuable so maybe Houston just viewed that as what they were most looking to get out of a deal and the Sixers weren't willing to do that so 
I, again, there's there's really no way to know what's in the hearts and minds of the Houston front office. It it the deals that were being rumored from Philadelphia and Brooklyn weren't dissimilar in value enough that I would say, oh, they just weren't going to take any offer from the Sixers. I think they definitely were trying to maybe force the Sixers to give up a little more, especially, I mean, Victor Oladipo is good, don't get me wrong, and they did get a ton of draft compensation, but I mean, the thing with draft picks is it's, they are, while they're very enticing in theory, it is like you have, the reason like Sam Hinkie wanted so many of them is because he admitted the draft is kind of a crapshoot, so you have, he wanted to get as many to try and take as many swings of the apple, but Ben Simmons, while probably not a sure thing as a super-duper top-tier A-list star, is at least in that all-star range, definitely, and a definitely fits the Rockets' timeline now as a rebuilding team. So you'd think, like, he has to have more value than the other things they could have gotten in that. But like you said, there's no way for us to know for sure. I would lean towards it at least being somewhat true, but – I mean, again, not, no way to know for sure. Um, man, we talked a lot about things that did not happen on the court this week, but that's – I guess that's what happens when James Harden gets rumored to your team all off season. That's what happens in week three of the NBA calendar, man. <laughs> the league never stops. And here I, and here I thought we were going to be talking about <laughs> Paul Reed's pull-up jumper or his – great rebounding, those Dakota Mathias dribble handoffs. Instead, we talked a lot about James Harden, but we, we managed to get in those those young Sixers guys. Yeah, I think we, we, we touched on all of them. Um, yeah, the, the overtime win against Miami, it was, it was just crazy. Like, Isaiah Joe hits the big three when they're down five with about 22 seconds left in regulation. And it wasn't somebody setting him up. It mm-hmm. was – there was kind of a loose ball scramble. Joe had it and set himself up to pull up from about 26 feet. Just took it took it upon himself, hits that shot. Um, Dakota Mathias hadn't hit a field goal all game, and then the last couple minutes of overtime suddenly hits his first three straight away from top of the key uh, that ultimately proved to kind of be the game winner. Mm-hmm. Um, just <laughs> just a lot of really random stuff taking place in uh, Sixers basketball right now. So uh, as, as much as, as I said, I'm looking forward to full rosters. Those, those moments were fun too. And, and you find the, the bright spots. Um, it's a long season. So those kind of weird and wacky moments are, are stuff you can also look back on. And uh, it helps when it's in a victory for sure. I mean, <laughs> shoot, I was, what was I just about to say? Oh yeah, that was that Heat game. That was like what we said with the Raptors game in the first like week of the season. It's the kind of game that we think the Sixers never win because they'd blown the lead there in the fourth quarter after that was just such a frustrating game watching all these guys in the Heat, the Heat with their depleted squad go off. And it seemed like that was just going to be the end of it, down five, and then chaos ensued, that steal afterwards. I think it was Danny Green poked it loose that eventually gave the Sixers the ball and set up Joel Embiid's game-tying jumper. Just – it's so weird to watch the Sixers win games like that now after we've gotten used to prob- – I mean, last year it felt like every every close game, every game where there was a huge run, 
they were, the Sixers just end up doomed. And I mean, ha, we saw the Sixers. What did they go from three tonight? It was like seventeen to thirty-one. It was something crazy like that. Uh, they they missed a lot towards the end of the game when it was kind I mean, of they over. Were, they, they were they 17, were seven. They finished seventeen to thirty-seven. See, they were seventeen of thirty, and then the subs missed seven in a row. So that's just some perspective, but. Since when did the Sixers shoot this well from three? I mean, it's, it's Seth Curry hasn't been played in a week. Since Daryl Morey revamped the roster and brought actual shooters in. And even, yeah. even like, the rookies and, like, end of the, the roster guys that he brought in, it was brought – they were brought in with the vision that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid were going to be surrounded by shooters at all times. So, even the – kind of afterthought, not even complimentary pieces on the roster, they were still going to be shooters because that's what this roster was going to like build itself upon. So I, we're, we're seeing that they've had a lot of exceptionally good shooting performances thus far this season. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's that simple bringing good shooters and they more often than not should hit shots. Who knew just shooters hit shots was the formula that could save the Sixers. Oh, well, I, I, I think that was in Hinky's manifesto, actually. <laughs> was it in the letter? <laughs> yeah, it, it was uh, right after the talk about um, like space-time continuum, and then <laughs> and then shooters will hit shots. I think was the next bullet point. The Sixers might not go seventy-two zero, you know, like you prognosticated on this pod before the season, but they certainly seem on their way better to to a more enjoyable season than last year. Even if they did not get James Harden like many wanted, uh, Sean, I think that's going to wrap it up for, here for us tonight. Uh, anything else you want to say? Every loss this season still has an asterisk on it. So, but I, every, I, every win, the asterisk for every win is a good asterisk. The losses are bad asterisks. Exactly. So I, I feel, I feel like the perfect season is still in sight with an asterisk. They're nine. They're nine and zero in your hearts. Exactly. Exactly. And if you're looking at it any differently, then you're just a jaded fan. You're you're one of the crazies who doesn't like Joel Embiid. Yep. Exactly. So. <laughs> All right. It was great talking to you, Sean. See you next week. All right. Thanks. Take care, everyone. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.